Welcome to day 66 of uh, Shaped by the Word, Season 2, The Drama of Scripture. I'm Paul Kemp here with uh, Katie Kresge and uh, David Keefe, both of whom are wearing maroon this morning, and so is Matt Kresge, actually. Uh, I'm wearing a far more None holy, of us are holy, holy color uh, <laughs> and all of that. Uh, we continue in the journey through Moses' life, and we see Moses as a young man who is very eager to liberate his people and to act for justice. We see him as an older man, uh, probably because of the failure of attempting to lead in his own strength, who is reluctant to lead. He's in a very comfortable place. Uh, he loves being a shepherd uh, in the wilderness of Midian. He has a family, uh, and he's content to spend his days, you know, simply uh, uh, in Midian, being a shepherd, being a husband, being a dad. And yet God has other plans for him. And so we continue to interact with Moses' reluctance and God's insistence uh, as we uh, turn to Exodus chapter 4. Before we read, let's do as as we uh, are in a habit of doing, but I hope it's much more than a habit, that it's a natural uh, response to what God's Spirit has given us through God's Word in order to complete God's work in us. Uh, Let's pause and give ourselves in the moment uh, to the Lord, and not just simply this moment, but that uh, this would, through the day and, and throughout our lives, sustain us and nourish us in, in the faith. Uh, Matt, you mind lifting us up? Yeah, let's pray. Father, we do offer this moment to you and offer our lives to you, um, knowing that, that all that we are is yours. And, and Father, we, we ask as we read this, um, Father, that you would fill us with wisdom and, and insight and um, and fill us with the knowledge of your love, um, that we may know the, the width and the depth and the height of, of your love for us in Christ Jesus. And, and so, Father, we thank you for the story of Scripture so far. Thank you for the way it's encouraged us, um, the way it's convicted us, the way that it's drawn our hearts and our minds um, towards you and towards Christ Jesus. So, Father, be with us in this time. Um, continue to do just that. Draw us to yourself. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Exodus chapter 4, Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, uh, The Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to them, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, Put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back in his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, If they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant. Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since uh, you've spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouth? Who makes them deaf or or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. 
he's already on his way to meet you, and he'll be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you uh, what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it'll be as if you were a mouth, uh, as if he were your mouth, and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hands so that you can perform the signs with it. Then Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Let me return to my own people in Egypt to see if any of them are still alive. Jethro said, Go, and I wish you well. Now the Lord had said to Moses and Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all those who want to kill you are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons, put them on a donkey, and started back to Egypt. And he took the staff of God in his hand. The Lord said to Moses, When you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I have given you the power to do. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then say to Pharaoh, This is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son, and I told you, Let my son go so he may worship me. But you refuse to let him go, so I will kill your firstborn son. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him, but Zipporah took a flint knife, cut off her son's foreskin, and touched Moses' feet with it. Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me, she said. So the Lord let him alone. At that time, she said, bridegroom of blood, referring to circumcision. The Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he met Moses at the mountain of God and kissed him. Then Moses told Aaron everything the Lord had sent him to say, and also about all the signs that he had commanded him to perform. Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites, and Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. He also performed the signs before the people, and they believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down, and they worshipped him. Interesting chapter on so many levels. We see, you know, Moses, uh, you know, continued reluctance, you know, to lead. Uh, we also have a really interesting encounter on the way. And the way it you know, comes in the text to us is God has already called Moses. He's already given him a vision of leadership. He's told him, you know, about his future, that he'll actually come back to this mountain and worship him. But he confronts him in judgment, ready to act in judgment, uh, to cut him off from his people because he's not taken on the sign of the covenant in, in his family. And so his wife, Zipporah, you know, and grabs a knife, circumcises her son, and throws it at uh, Moses' feet. Yeah, that's and, a pretty clutch uh, move. We have, yeah, we have here uh, an awkward moment in uh, Moses' marriage to Zipporah uh, <laughs> right in the middle of, of everything else. And that doesn't like, you know, the call of God in your life. You still have to be married, and you still have to deal with the domestic issues, and you still have to keep the issues straight at home in the middle of all of this. This specific issue is yet to hit our house, though, yeah. <laughs> Pretty wild. <laughs> this is probably the most awkward road trip that they've ever had. But yeah, that's. I was before the podcast. I was asking about this instance because it just feels so sudden. But um, Paul was saying that there's there's just a lot outside of what the text um, is saying that we're we might not be getting. Um, maybe even conversations that had taken place beforehand. Um, so between Moses and Zipporah and we don't, we just don't know, but we do know that, um, Zipporah needed to act quickly, um, to save Moses' life. We have, you know, we have a compressed moment and the moment we have here is the moment, you know, that, uh, God confronts Moses with this uh, reality 
that's obviously a reality that Moses was aware of, that this is the sign of the covenant you know, with the Lord. His, his brother is a, a, a practicing Levite, mm-hmm. and of course he himself would have you know, been circumcised. And it may have been a conversation they had back and forth, whether they were going to raise their kids in the Lord or raise their kids you know, in a way that uh, Zipporah and her family had uh, you know, worshipped uh, the God. So it may have been an argument before this. It may have been Zipporah even refused before this moment, and she sees the gravity of it. We're not sure of the backstory, but there is, you know, there is a backstory. Uh, but the heart of it is, is you know, uh, Moses has not uh, brought his family into covenant, and of course, the promise of the covenant is one who does not receive this sign will be cut off from his people. So God appears even to his called servants in in judgment, mm-hmm. uh, and we've already been introduced to him as a God who is holy and his holiness mm. you know demands that we worship him in ways that are pleasing to him that he has called us into and it's a big neglect on the one who will lead israel That's at this what point I was thinking is like this man is called by god to lead israel out of egypt and for him to have his family not be under the covenant as well that's that's a big deal so well we're, we're reminded of the seriousness of this even when we come to the new testament uh you know, uh, Paul has, you know, a young Gentile protege, Titus, who he does not, you know, demand, you know, to be circumcised, but he has a young Jewish protege by the name of Timothy. And, and for the sake of the witness to the people of the, you know, continuing work of the covenant God in their presence, he, he does insist, you know, that Timothy be, be circumcised. Yeah. Uh, and so you have the same thing here. If you're going to minister to a people, your family, needs to be a part of the covenant people so you know one of the things i love with chapter four is um you know right before this chapter three god tells moses um yeah i know the king of egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him and and then he goes on and and the signs that he gives to moses all deal with moses's hands and it's we know who the mighty hand is going to be that will compel the king of egypt to let his people go but that mighty hand is also going to go through the hand of moses and you know whether it's dropping his staff and picking it back up or turning his hand into his cloak or taking his hand and pouring out water from the nile you know and that's a phrase that will get repeated time and time again you know is is god's mighty hand will accomplish this or my outstretched arm mm-hmm. but i also love it's you know god's going to bring his people out of egypt by his mighty hand through the hand of moses you know, but I love the the wordplay too of, and they will not go out empty-handed. You know, it's just kind of it's, it's a reminder that who will accomplish this? God will accomplish it through His you know mediator, and you know, obviously, this points us forward to to Jesus, and you know, that God accomplishes our redemption and our rescue, you know, with His through His mighty hand and, and through through the person of Christ. Um, but I just, I mean, it's just kind of a fun. Um, thing to see no there, there's a you know wonderful you know we often refer to them as echoes or shadows you know of what is, is to come but you also have to love the way that uh not only that you know god talks about the inevitable hardening you know of pharaoh's heart uh, that it's going to take a lot of persuasion on his part um, but you also you know talk about you also hear him referring to israel as his firstborn son mm-hmm. And comparing what Pharaoh has already done and the, the killing of, you know, of Israel's sons, you know, by throwing them into the Nile, possibly as a sacrificial, sacrificial uh, offering, you know, to his own God, uh, and doing that, not just you know, an, an act of uh, reducing the population uh, of Israel, 
And, uh, of course, this firstborn son will be applied to Israel, but it will also be you know, applied to Jesus in a unique way in our old King James versions of you know, John 3.16, his uh, only begotten, his monogene, uniquely begotten son, mm-hmm. uh, the one who is, uh, invites the rest of us into sonship. So God's love for you know, his sons and daughters is evident in this as well. Yeah, and um, just I I think one aspect of the chapter that um, kind of makes me chuckle is just Moses. We've talked already about how reluctant he is to lead, and that God leaves him just with no other choice. Like he says, just please. <laughs> he finally just says, please send someone else, and God burns with anger um, and offers that his brother can speak for him and be his mouthpiece and really leaves Moses no choice. He has nothing to come, come back to him with. So that's going to be what, what takes place. But, and also just kind of um, the sovereignty of God, like he had already planned this. He knew that Moses was going to come back with these um, hesitations and he, um, he had already planned for Aaron to meet him. So, and it happens just as he says it will. So it's just, I don't know. I just in awe of God, and, and, and we can't you know miss you know what a wonderful opportunity Moses turned down, uh, you know, to have a God work through his weakness in order to show his strength, mm-hmm. and uh, and and obviously there's probably many places where we're reluctant to do what we know God is calling us to do because we feel so ill-equipped. And there is no better place, you know, to be as a servant of the Lord than to feel ill-equipped, that we are inadequate in our speech, that we're inadequate in our presence, that we're inadequate, you know, in in our ability to accomplish his purposes. Uh, You know, Paul, you know, learned uh, that when he is weak, that God proved himself strong. Mm -hmm. And Paul said, I'll boast all the more about my weaknesses. And of course, this is uh, we're in very real danger when we see ourselves as adequate to the task. Mm-hmm. And we're also in very real danger when we allow our inadequacies to keep us from trusting God and uh, to following his, mm-hmm. his purposes. And so Moses has missed a great opportunity here to see God working through him. Uh, but uh, God is not about to let him yeah. opt out. And God but he continues does miss him. to work through him, too. Yeah, yeah, I does. love the end of chapter 4. Um, you get that note where Moses performs all the signs before the people and they believed, you know, and, and it's not that they just simply believe in Moses in this moment. They believe in, in the God whom Moses, you know, has come to, to represent and to, to reveal again. This is, and they heard the Lord was concerned about them and seen their misery and they bound that and worshiped. I mean, that's a great, a great little ending of this chapter. Yeah, it's also an ending you'll want to keep in mind because the next chapter ends on the opposite note. <laughs> yep. Uh, even though they've seen the signs and they, and they worship the Lord God, their faith in the Lord God is very, very short-lived. And again, we see that kind of pattern in, in our life as well. Absolutely. And so we will see you tomorrow as we end on a different note. Katie, could you close out the day? Sure. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us together um, as your people and in your word. So thank you for the things that you choose to continue reveal to us um, by your spirit. Would you, would you work in us today? Um, would you lead us um, to, to, to be led by your spirit? Um, even when we feel ill-equipped, when we feel 
like we are not adequate for the task. Lord, would we humbly um, and open-handedly um, follow you and say your will be done, um, knowing that you get the glory and um, knowing that you are able to work in in people um, as as inadequate as we are. You are you are good. Help us to trust you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.